Again, free thinkers, welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Well, free thinkers, you did yourself a huge favor by choosing to listen to this podcast today. Today, we have a very special guest, a very interesting guest, someone who may be, well, a little less known in this movement, but he is doing big things, absolutely critical things, I should say to help guide us freedom-minded people in the right direction, away from all the spyware and big tech social media companies who are sneaking in these back doors through their apps. And he's helping us safeguard our online privacy to move away from using these centralized platforms where you are the product. Our guest this week is Romero Romani, who is a tech activist and entrepreneur who dropped his corporate career to focus on what he calls taking back our tech. Romero is also the creator of the Above Phone, which is a privacy-focused phone that combines secure hardware, open-source operating systems, and cutting-edge privacy services as an alternative to the phones currently on the market that are loaded down with spyware, bloatware, and have various vulnerabilities. We also discuss Romero's work with the Freedom Cell Network, which is a website that was launched in 2016 to organize local decentralized online groups to help establish real-world connections in the event of a catastrophe. So definitely check that out, guys, and definitely break out a pad of paper and a pen because this one you will certainly want to take notes on. So here is our interview with tech privacy advocate Romero Romani. Hey, Ramiro, and welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast. How's uh, the morning treating you so far, brother? It's a beautiful morning. I'm glad to be wrapping up the year with you guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, excellent to hear that. We're excited to have you on the show. Uh, I feel like we have a lot to talk about today. All things privacy, security, and encryption, I would imagine. And to be honest, you know, I've been really looking forward to this conversation with you today ever since we booked this interview because... You know, I've long acknowledged that my ignorance when it comes to uh, my participation in contributing to, you know, this massive surveillance state, uh, feeding these mainstream social media companies, my endless data. And of course, you know, it's hard to escape that that sneaking suspicion that my tech is constantly being monitored or reviewed. And, uh, you know, you've been a privacy freedom privacy uh, tech activist for years now. Uh, I remember hearing your name come up frequently when talking to Derek Bros and, and John Bush over the years. And, you know, if those guys are talking about you, you're certainly doing something right. So I know you've contributed a lot over the years to the freedom movement. And uh, I'm certainly excited to talk about your above phone and your website, Take Back Our Tech. 
But I figured we would start with some recent news, and then maybe we could get into some more of your personal work. But uh, just yesterday, with just six votes, the Senate passed the 2024 NDAA. That includes provision uh, section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which extended into mid-April 2024. And some privacy rights advocates are criticizing this move because they claim that this section 702 allows for backdoor searches of Americans' information. Now, obviously, this you know just happened yesterday, so if you haven't had time to look into it or whatever, you know that's totally fine. But what are your thoughts on this? And you know, why should the everyday average normie be concerned about something of this scale? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much news breaking on the privacy front every day. It's like there's a new bill or a new law uh, that's that's up for vote. I, while I haven't had time to read this specific bill, this entire issue is important because surveillance precludes control. And that's always been the case with, you know, if you're looking at an intelligence agency, how they operate, they spend the first part of their operation gathering information. And then as they move forward, then they actually can act on that information, right? It's kind of like um, if a tree falls in the forest, does anybody hear it, right? So with the gathering of this information, they're creating a, a system where they can track every single one of our interactions or any one of our exchanges, uh, all of our travel. And we're seeing this being rolled out uh, with with bills like these, which are just commonplace now in the EU and the UK. You know, there's a, the UK recently passed chat control, which is aiming to do the same thing. So this is not a surprise. And I think the end result is going to be we're going to reach a point where um, an app on your phone is going to make you a criminal. And you might have to operate within that realm, which uh, which is exciting if you're a nerd like myself, you know, like you get to be a badass now, you get to be an outlaw. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think most people want to be in that situation, right? So we have to ask ourselves what's the answer. And I think that's always mass noncompliance. That's a great point. And it feels like they probably are already setting up some type of, you know, social credit score. And, you know, here's a shout out to all the people out there who probably already have a negative social credit score in a system that hasn't even been implemented yet. Right. So uh, I, I think right, the, the, the surveillance certainly precludes all that. And they, they kind of have to do their due diligence as well to, to know who their enemies are, who their ideological enemies are. Um, so speaking of that, you know, it, just recently, Edward Snowden has kind of uh, been surfacing again uh, on social media. And it seems like, you know, 10 years ago now, that, that's when he first hit the scene. It feels like when I first got into all this, you know, the first few years, Snowden was basically a hero. His name was everywhere. Uh, he's been a little more quiet over the past several years. But he's still speaking out. But the media seems to have kind of moved on, you know. However, there was an interview back in June. It seems like I said, you know, just to be making the rounds now where he said that he didn't regret anything, but he warned that the surveillance technology is so much more advanced now and intrusive today that uh, everything that he blew the whistle on back in 2013 is, quote, child's play. And uh, more recently, you know, people like Kim.com and Ashton Forbes, I don't know if you've been following their posts on Twitter, but they've been doing uh, this research on the MH370 Malaysia Airlines flight 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they recently pointed to some technology from Lockheed Martin called Global Persistence Infrared Surveillance, which is basically like Google Earth on steroids. So I guess as someone who's been keeping a close eye on technology and surveillance, uh, what do you think he's referring to? And, and do you think, you know, is there any like specific examples that come to mind when, you know, he references something like this? It, it seems pretty significant. Um, so, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, Edward Snowden, what a legend. The only man to uh, be a whistleblower for the United States and escape unharmed. Man, what <laughs> what yeah. good luck he has. No kidding. Um, so I, I think he's just referring to the digitalization of, of society. And, and a really easy way to look at this is like a lot of the things they need uh, they are doing aren't that sophisticated. It's happening through our consent. So, so what do I mean by that? Well, everyone, uh, almost everyone on Earth uses a phone, right? I think it's like through estimates, there's like 7 billion phones out there, almost one for every single person on Earth. And if you look at which two companies they belong to, 99, uh, uh, more than 99% of them, it's close to almost 100%, are going to be Google and or Apple, uh, companies with uh, you know American jurisdiction and um, a longstanding history of cooperation with law enforcement. In some cases, their programs have been invested in by intelligence agencies, right? Like uh, where how Google Maps uh, originally surfaced. So uh, I'll, I'll harp on this point a lot during this episode, but it's these centralized services that are going to be the rollout to all of the surveillance technology and to all the control technology. Um, so I think, you know, I and I am operating from a place where I'm only concerned about things that I can visually see and observe with my own eyes. There are uh, many sorts of people, um, maybe this is what Snowden is alluding to, but uh, with backdoors in our in our processors or these uh, advanced infrared sensors that could be mapping out the world. But, you know, the the evidence being able to have your own observations on this, that's that's harder to come by. So uh, my stance has always been not to freak out and give all of these surveillance efforts more credit than can be proven. And so I'm like really have my eyes set on, hey, what can we see is happening at a a mass scale uh, that we see people are involved in and that they can actually do something about that's really going to help your uh, mental your mental health. So for me, that has been the phone and the computer, and it's been helping get uh, people off of big technology phones and computers, right? Because these devices are with us all the time. Now, are there other cool surveillance tech out there? Uh, yeah, and you know, I'd, I'd love to talk about it, but uh, yeah, so it's just those are just some thoughts. Um, and I think um, you know, there there are so many things. There are so many different secret government programs that they have there's there's uh if i think it ends up um you have to ask yourselves the question are they doing this on a mass scale can they get you individually yeah they could absolutely target you every you know 100 ways till sunday but um what are they able to do on a mass scale so i think that's an important question to ask yeah it's true and with with uh section 702 from fisa it's uh it's almost like I mean, do we even re- really need them to tell us that they're uh, that they're going to do it? You know, it's like, oh, every, everybody's got is up in arms about this. I mean, including Snowden, and I mean everybody, like all the whole Liberty um, media has been talking about that on Twitter for days now. And 
uh, I'm like, you know, I mean, if, if, if the government needs to tell us that 702 is, is, um, is the only way they can actually spy on us, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really buy it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you go read some of the articles. Well, you wrote the articles. I was, I was reading some of the articles that, uh, that you had shared with us, man. And it's some pretty alarming shit in those, in those pieces. Um, like some of the stuff that they already do and they don't need a, a FISA 702 to do it. Cause they, like you said, they do it through these private companies like Google and Apple. Um, like, would you care to get into any of these things? Like in, in, into some of these programs like Google and Apple use that, sure. uh, and how they like, how they impact just the average American's daily life. Absolutely. I have so many different vulnerabilities ready, but just actually for my own ignorance, I apologize. I don't, I, I'm not aware. Like, could someone give me a spark notes of, of 702 and what they're saying is going to happen from that? It's basically like a backdoor to spy on Americans. And it's been in, it's been, uh, it was just up for renewal. Right. So wow. they had a, a group of senators tried to gain support and it was bipartisan to not renew it. And wow. of course, you know, the, uh, the Senate, like all the pro-police state Senate and surveillance state senators were like, oh, we need this to catch cult cartel members and terrorists. And and uh, so yeah. they they renewed it. I think the Congress is voting on it today to try to stop it. But um, I don't know. It doesn't look very promising yep. either way. And, and and um, so, yeah, and there's so many bills, you know, there's like earn it, which um, the stipulation there's the earn it act, which is another child safety bill. There's COSA, which is another child safety bill. And all these bills are kind of angling at the same thing. Um, they want to make it very risky for providers uh, like our own company, Above Phone, for example, to provide encrypted uh, communications, not just for our, our company, we're like a messaging provider, but even like for the Free Thought Project, if, if people are able to upload pictures or submit text to your website, you know, though they can be wrapped up in liability from as a result of these bills because you guys aren't scanning your photos uh, using artificial intelligence or aren't integrated with a with a platform that's constantly monitoring them. So it's not just you know it's not just companies like Google or Apple or, or mine, uh, but it's anyone running a website. And that's and that's the crazy thing is you know it's your mom and pop that are going to have to abide by this. Um, so it's it's wild. I've gotten to the point which I think you know, as as agorists as, as we are, is is you know, it's it's more noise, and I think that it's we just have to focus on solutions that much more. Um, so uh, so yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that that encapsulates it perfectly, and I appreciate your distinction there. You know, it, it seems like yeah, the the surveillance state is vast, right? And I mean, how much can we really do? Uh, so it, it probably isn't very like tangible or feasible to what just talk about it or point at it and, and condemn it, you know. So that is one thing that I, I do like about you is that you're you're more hands on and you're not only trying to find solutions and talk about them, but you're actually trying to manifest them into real life. So, you know, I, I very much appreciate that. I wasn't trying to like put you in a corner there with, you know, that question. It was a very broad question. And I, I, to me, it seems very relevant, you know, because even though these are vast, these programs are vast, you know, like it's still a bit disheartening and, and somewhat frightening to know some of the tech that they have. And usually how these things work is like the tech that they show us is, you know, already kind of behind. Uh, they're usually like 10 years advanced. So uh, I was, you know, I guess uh, fishing for some type of juicy, like you're, 
you're spot on. I love, by the way, I love uh, talking about that stuff and, and researching about that stuff. Sure. You know, I, I originally got into this field of thinking after being intrigued by uh, disclosure, uh, deep underground military bases, sure. stuff like that. So I've, right, right. I've, I've like, I love thinking about that type of stuff. And, you know, there's the whole thing. They're 30 years ahead of, of whatever technology they've released to us. And, you know, they're, they're releasing some pretty uh, cool, quote unquote, cool technology that can read brainwaves and stuff. Um, but uh, what I was going to say is that think about what type of person it takes to deploy this technology, like how complicated it is, how much manpower, um, how much uh, brain power. Uh, just the investment required to deploy some of this stuff on on a mass scale, and imagine that if they are successful in their mission and they and they uh, manage to break into your phone, or they manage to read your brain waves, uh, and they just see that you are growing, uh, you're growing some food and you're trading some eggs with a neighbor. So it's like the uh, the value of the information they gather. We can absolutely uh, we can make it worthless for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's what we have to do at this point in time. We have to, we really have to um, play, well, we have to be in alignment with um, the truth and our own morality and, and non-coercion. And I think that if enough of us do that at the mass scale, it, it renders the surveillance useless. Or at least that's what I hope. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And maybe I, I was a little off there. I said 10 years, but 30 years, it, it seems a little more accurate, um, especially with some of the the theories and, you know, some of the evidence that occasionally peeks its head out on, on social media here and there. But let's get into your above phone, because um, I know that's something you already mentioned, and uh, I'm intrigued about it. I, I feel like I, I know the general premise, but uh, I want to know more. So, you know, a big part of uh, being smart about online privacy hinges around the way we use our phones, right? I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. So this is something you've taken, you know, very seriously. You've invested a lot of effort into it. Uh, I know I mentioned Derek Rose and John Bush earlier, but when they talk about you, they'd always mention that Derek had one of your phones, your above phones. And uh, as somebody who tries to be as mindful as I can with my actions and how they contribute to the world around me, um, you know, I'm, I'm compelled. I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea of this phone that. Uh, protects against, you know, internet surveillance, uh, communication surveillance, app tracking, and, and a lot more. So, um, yeah, can you give our audience a brief explanation about the above phone and why they should consider making the switch? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go into a lot of the, the downsides of the big tech ecosystem in a second. But the above phone and um, other de-Googled operating systems like Graphene OS, um, divest OS, which I'll get into as well. These are operating systems that have stripped out big tech uh, from their code. So they're not making any network connections, right? That's the way we need to think about online privacy. It's all about network connections. What servers are you connecting to? Where are they at? And so these operating systems, uh, because you know your phone is not just some isolated um, piece of software, um, it's not an isolated device. It requires, uh, relies on a lot of different things. Um, uh, for instance, even to know what time it is, it'll use time servers. So these de-Googled phones in the past three to four years, they have reached the point where they are work just as well as normal phones. And that's really exciting. And thanks to projects like Graphene OS, which is the operating system that is featured on above phone, 
Um, they've even surpassed the ability and functionality of normal phones to the point where Google is playing catch up. Um, and they recently uh, are, uh, they're, they're releasing uh, developer builds for Android 15, the latest version of their operating system. And they're trying to implement stuff that has already existed in Graphene OS. At least that's, that's my opinion. One of the things is like, uh, like a secure vault for your files that uh, for your files and apps that other people can't access or can't even see. This is something that's already existed in Graphene OS for a while now, for about a year. And um, so you can have phones within your phones. These are isolated sandboxes. Now, uh, not to go too deep into that particular feature, but these phones are addressing the three main layers to our mobile privacy. And, I, and I've written about this on our website, uh, takebackourtech.org. That's more of a, my activist educational effort um, than above phone is the commercial side. But on Take Back Our Tech, I've, I've put together this write-up of the three layers. And so for most people, that is their phone's operating system, which again, uh, if you're using a Google or Apple phone, you cannot see the actual code of your operating system. Um, they give you little options to help you manage your privacy. But in reality, in independent study and observation, um, it doesn't change much or anything. And they're still collecting lots of data. Um, so there's the operating system and then there's also these apps. So I used to be a mobile app developer. I've, I've developed mobile apps and, and published them. Um, and uh, I know the ecosystems these app developers get get uh, roped into. So they're, you know, encouraged to add analytics or advertising to just to make money. You know, they spend all this time making an app. I totally get it. But now um, these independent studies have also seen uh, have looked at these analytics and advertising providers and found that the companies that actually own them end up being big tech themselves with Google actually being uh, one of the main owners of 16 out of 20 of the largest um, adver uh, advertising tracking services. So this is all, uh, all, of, all of this has been primary sourced and, and shared on that article. It's called, Who Can We Call On? Um, and so there's this ecosystem at play that is just feeding off of your data. So when you're using a degoogled phone, when you're using above phone, you're given alternatives. Instead of using apps from uh, the Google Play Store or Apple App Store, which they control tightly what exists on that in the first place, and developers have to um, uh, use their standards. Instead, you can sideload apps. You can get apps from third-party developers. You can get it directly from the developer. You can get apps where all the source code is auditable, and you can view it. You can even change it. And that's one of the, the main um, uh, app catalogs on the above phone called F-Droid, which is really, really uh, famous in the alternative tech space. Uh, that's what they offer. So um, you can find apps to replace pretty much basically everything. On the above phone, what we have done is we've taken the software and we've uh, tried to make it a complete product that you get out of the box. I think I think a lot of us are... Uh, don't have much time to waste or spend tinkering. I totally get that. I'm the same way when it comes to gardening um, or activism. I, d I rely on guys, uh, I, I rely on people like y'all to, to help me do the research. So on our side, we've done the research. We've bundled all the free and open source applications and we've put them on the phone. So all you need to do is turn it on and you're good to go. There's also other really cool parts about this is that 
that those centralized services that I was referring to earlier, uh, you don't have to, you, not you don't have to, they don't exist on the phone by default. So there's nothing to log into. There's no central account or anything like that, um, which means that your phone is off the grid. There's no identity connected to it if you don't want there to be. Now, um, a lot of apps uh, do have some dependence. I, I say a lot of apps. I want to say probably like 2.5% of apps have uh, dependence on Google services to the point where it could break the app. So there's a little bit of a adjustment that you have to make. And I'm mainly referring to things like Uber and Airbnb um, that use Google location services, which coincidentally tie directly into uh, Google's um, geolocation surveillance programs like SensorVault, right? So there are some, uh, there are some uh, choices you have to make. Now, the good news is you can always use these apps in a web browser, but I think it's all, always helpful to talk about, you know, some of the potential downsides. Now, um, there's always workarounds for everything. And um, yeah, I mean, I'll leave it to that. And, and what direction you guys want to go, I'm happy to. I can talk about um, the different types of vulnerabilities on, on normal phones, or I could talk more about this new ecosystem as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love I love this type of shit, man. I uh uh especially like uh operating systems like graphene right it's it's like linux based right and then and, and you can do whatever you want um inside of it but when you have something like that uh especially when you have side load uh you know side loaded apps and everything and i guess how do you how how do you prevent um like malicious third parties from getting into these i know that was a big deal when when you used i used to jailbreak my iphone and and they would have like, you know, you could put whatever apps you wanted on it, but some of them are, you know, they're, they're designed to exploit the users. Is there any kind of, um, of protection like for that, that a, a user of the above phone could, could take that where they wouldn't be able to sideload it, which those third parties, those malicious third parties could be big tech. Right. And <laughs> that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think it just comes down to having trusted sources for, for, where you download apps, and and for the most part, FDroid does a really good job with that. Um, there are people, that, I mean, really the Graphene OS team, who have uh, said that there are some security practices that they wish to see improved with FDroid. But as far as I know, there has not never been a case of a malicious app being added onto the store. And I think track record means a lot. Um, so there is, uh, there is safety in having all these apps be open source, right? There are, there are developers going over this code. There are people using the app. And, um, if anything seems out of the ordinary, it is caught. And there's also, um, scanning of, of the code that happens. There is this approval process that happens where, um, Fdroid looks at whether these, um, the libraries included are uh, proprietary or whether they're, uh, they're they're all using open source components, and there's vulnerability scanning that happens. So there is safety in in that direction. But I would say that it does take you, you, trust becomes more of a thing. And now here's the other thing I'll say too: it's not like the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store have never had malicious apps on it. Oh, not certainly, only, yeah. They they absolutely have have let some apps slip through the uh, through the cracks. I remember that there was this. Um, fake two-factor authentication app on iPhone that was uh, stealing people's 2FA, uh, like the, the, the passcodes. Um, 
So, you know, that, that could have been for their crypto wallets. It could have been anything, right? And this uh, the Apple App Store let that fake app chill and even be sponsored, um, be sponsored on the App Store. So I think, you know, I think that um, with with on this alternative ecosystem, it is more decentralized, but you end up having to learn more about the developers and the apps you're working with. Yeah, you wouldn't recommend it to to noobs who don't know what they're doing, right? <laughs> I would recommend the above phone because you know we've we've already audited uh, the safety, so we've looked at the network connections for our operating systems and for the uh, for the apps as well. And um, what we look at is, hey, is this app making connections that are um, specific to its function? Like for instance, uh, there's this app called uh, Material Weather. And um, I know that app is either going to connect to AccuWeather or uh, OpenWeather. And so I'm looking for those network connections. Um, so we've kind of done the heavy lifting of, hey, these we think that these apps are, are solid. And here you go. They're ready to use. So there's um, we have a bunch of different stuff on the phone. We have uh, we have alternative mapping applications, um, alternative calendars, text messaging, web browsers, you name it. It's all on this alternative ecosystem. I love it, dude. So I have a little follow up question for that is uh, so the the this whole process is called degoogling the phone, right? And how do you degoogle a Google phone? And uh, I say that because the above phones come on the hardware, which is which is our Google Pixel phones. So I know it's uh, it's open source, the Android OS, you can remove that and you're, I guess, loading on i don't want i mean without getting into proprietary information here or like anything secret that you want to keep off how do you how do you de-google a google phone yeah um most google phones can actually they have full support for running alternative operating systems so it's the process is pretty simple and you guys can i encourage you like i'm not um i'm not uh, attached to you buying an above phone i highly encourage you guys if you're interested in this to do it yourself which you can learn how to do it on graphicnos.org. Um, there's they, they walk you through the install and everything. Um, it really comes down to unlocking the bootloader and then flashing it with your alternative operating system image. Uh, just simply put, that's that's what you do. And <laughs> there's different tools and technologies you use during that process. But um, that um, so you know that is all at the operating system level. Now, of course, um, people have questions about the hardware, and I think those are valid questions. But as far as as far as like where the surveillance happens, from my own observation and from um, observations of independent studies, most of the surveillance happens at the operating system level, at the app level, and I can you know provably point to how that is happening. Um, and how this data is being uh, requested by foreign governments or even by uh, local, federal, state law enforcement. So that is that is my concern. Now, can um, can this Google hardware be backdoored? No one has proven it, but I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility. And I also don't think anyone can make a phone on Earth that, and say that, hey, this phone hasn't been backdoored because there are tight right. supply chains on uh, processors, on cellular modems, which is also a really vulnerable part of the phone, where um, none of the source code for the cellular modems have, has ever been made public. So, you know, we, we're kind of all just guessing what is what is on there. Um, so that's just an inherent flaw within phones itself. 
And again, this goes back to earlier. I'm, I'm saying I'm trying to focus on what we can point out now. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely not saying use one of these phones and like the, you know, you, you're free to do whatever criminal activity you want. The NSA can't hatch you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that for most people, this provides them the privacy they need, um, separating them from big tech companies, from uh, analytics and ad advertisers, and um, uh, from there, from uh, um, data that is protected by your constitutional rights here in the United States. Now, if you have uh, an intelligence agency on, on your tail and, and you know they're gonna use whatever is at their disposal, so yeah, that's just an important distinction to make, and that that's a good question. Well, it it goes as far as you know a cumulative effort to kind of starve the beast as well, right? So like, I mean, the less we contribute to these big tech companies in the form of our own personal data, you know, Matt mentioned something I was going to say too is like, yeah, these aren't just like some third party phones that you know you're creating in your your own basement or something. Like these are you know Pixel phones. Like this is you see commercials yeah. for the the Pixel Eight right now. I mean, it's a very popular phone. In fact, I have a Pixel Seven. Uh, I, I love it. I think the cameras, you know fantastic on it. Uh, and so you're just, you know, more or less modifying these things. But to me, I still can't really wrap my head around getting away from the Google ecosystem because it just feels like it's attached to everything when it comes to my digital online life. You know, it, it's attached to my apps, the my Gmail, obviously, mm -hmm. the authenticators that I use even. So uh, yeah, I'm going to have yeah. to do a, a little more research into this. But here's kind of a, a more straightforward and, and broad question for you. And, and you know, don't you don't have to give it too much thought, but I mean, like, who is really more evil here? Like, who is more worse, Apple or Google? And, and I know Google, <laughs> Google historically, I love that <laughs> Google historically has been more like open source with a lot of the Android stuff, right? And then you know, Apple has this yeah. kind of suedo like security advertising thing going on. I don't really know if there's much. I mean, you already kind of touched on that. I don't really know if there's much uh, substance there, but um, yeah, what? Who? Like, in your opinion, who's worse in this this scenario? Okay. I love this question. Um, um, I'm going to answer the question, but I was going to say, uh, um, Jason, all of the stuff that's integrated onto your phone the entire life, we can do it outside of the alternative. Uh, we can do it in the alternative ecosystem. There is a way, and that's basically what our job is. So I look forward to dropping in on that. Yes. Um, so Google and Apple. Yeah, this is this is a really tough question. On one hand, you have Google, which is the biggest military uh, uh, technology contractor and defense contractor. Um, you know, a lot of their tools are, are uh, uh, used for surveillance in that aspect. They have one of the biggest geolocation databases on Earth. On the other hand, they did get developers to help them with Android and, and uh, make it open source, which allows us to have these degooled operating systems um and then on the other hand there's there's apple and uh i i would say that oh it's so hard it, it's kind of like apples and oranges the one thing i don't like about apple is how they uh how they try to market themselves as um they try to market themselves as privacy and this this recently occurred within the past 24 hours um but a uh, senator ron uh wyden who is like the uh, he, he's like the congressman who actually cares about surveillance? One of the only ones, it seems like. He pointed out that um, his office was investigating reports of foreign countries requesting push messaging data. Right, those little mm -hmm. notifications that you get. Apparently, foreign countries can request those, and so 
Apple updated their uh, uh, law enforcement page and they're now requiring a warrant for it. But what does it say when they weren't requiring a warrant before? Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. Like that's mind blowing. And Google already had a warrant for it. So there's these like, there's these certain really specific cases that Apple, it's like, what are you doing? And then they have the gall to come out with these, uh, you know, the marketing department is like privacy, that's iPhone. I've been saying (laughs) privacy. That's bullshit because <laughs> you know, like your practices are, are terrible. And, and, you know, we've seen that with with different things that they have do on their on their computers as well. Uh, I would say that Apple is more like control hungry. They're the walled garden. They're the masters of the walled garden. Once you're inside that walled garden, you're probably you're not going to get out because, you know, uh, luckily I never got addicted to Apple stuff, but I could see it. I could see it happening. You know, I could you know, it's just uh they do make good software in the end of the day. Now, here's something interesting that also happened in the net, like the past two or three days. Um, there was an app. So you guys know about like green text, right? On iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is why all iPhone users hate Android users. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. It's like I remember seeing those videos on social media where they're, they're asking girls, all right, what happens if you're texting a guy and he has green green text bubbles? And she's like, yeah, no, it's, you know, it's not for me. <laughs> and oh for people who don't know what the hell we're talking it's about. It's brilliant marketing, man. It is. It, it, it drives you to get an iPhone. You don't want to be that person in the group text with green green text. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's psychological manipulation at the highest mm-hmm. level, even like the green, the color green. And um, yeah, it's the- like a pukey lime green. It's just <laughs> ugly. And <laughs> I'll take it. I'm proud of my pukey green color. <laughs> it's a it, there's it's it's interesting because a lot of people come from the Apple ecosystem and they ask us, hey, um, I can't text videos anymore. I can't text these huge videos. Well, that is because uh, with iMessage, they have co-opted. Um, the simple messaging uh, system, the transport, what what text messaging actually is. And they've inserted themselves so that if you register with iMessage, your calls and texts are going through Apple servers first before getting to you. And that's how it's all internet based. Um, That's how you can send videos and stuff. That's actually not a part of text messaging. So they have actually changed the definitions of what things mean to different people. And the green texts are a perfect example of that. So there's no interoperability between Android and iPhone, um, or at least there wasn't until this app called Beeper um, Beeper came out in the past week or two. And this app allowed for um, Android users to actually register for iMessage and be having blue messages and communicating with Apple users. Um, which was really, really exciting. It, that, that app um, reached like the top of the Play Store really quickly. And um, in the past few days, Apple shut it down, citing a security risk. And then there's this back and forth. Beeper is like, no, in fact, it made things even more secure because if you would have a group chat um, with a bunch of iPhones and an Android user joined, it would um, make it all uh, unencrypted. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Apple is the master of the walled garden. They will not let you they will not let you escape. And uh, that's more I think that's more dangerous. Google. I mean, I think I don't think Google really cares. They have, you know, they have Google Maps. They have the biggest search engine. They're like, eh, we got you anyways. You know, all these companies, they're embedded on so much of the Internet. Um, It's hard to escape their grasp, but damned if uh, we can't try. (laughs) For sure, man. So that's part of this 
right? The above phone, that's only one cog in the wheel that is breaking away and building this alternative agorist, um, you know, platform or society or however network, however you want to talk about it. But so you mentioned, um, you know, all these uh, like this uh, whole new privacy network. I know you had mentioned getting Jason and I some, um, you know, these uh, private email addresses. Um, you you want to describe some of that and how? how <clears throat> um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so our our product is called Above Suite and it's a, um, you know, uh, you guys were talking about earlier how uh, you're really tied into the Google ecosystem or the Apple ecosystem, which I totally get. Yeah. We have to have replacements. We have to have replacements for all this stuff. And so our philosophy has been, how can we create um, these utilities? These are internet utilities. You know, this is our need to communicate or need to search. I call them uh, universal internet utilities. And how can we make this a an equitable exchange between the people who are using the software services and the people who are running them? And so um, we're trying to do this with Above Suite. Above Suite is a collection of open source software services. We uh, we have a VPN, you know, which is responsible for encrypting your internet traffic. We have um, we have encrypted messaging. Uh, voice calls and video calls, uh, which is using a protocol called XMPP, which is a protocol that is two decades old, um, is completely free and open source. Um, anyone can run their own XMPP server. And that's an important point of making something universal. Universal means no lock-in. It doesn't mean that if you want to use your email somewhere else, you have to use a specific app or you have to be on the specific website. It means that you should be able to use it from anywhere. And that's the uh, the ethos behind Above Suite. So our email and our encrypted messaging uh, and our video conferencing and our search engine, and uh, I'm forgetting one thing, and our VPN are all using software and our calendar are all using software that you could run yourself if you want. They're all, there's all uh, open source software that is self-hostable and that's that's the direction we have to move into. We have to move into like um, I used to call it community computing, but imagine you know the smartest uh, smartest the the technology the 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 technologist in your your neighborhood providing the software services for other people. Um, so uh, we've been running this um, for about two years now, and it's been really successful. And uh, what I love about it is that. Uh, you know, if you get an above phone and you're using our software services, you are not limited to your above phone. You could use it on iPhone. We will, you know, we, we will uh, we will kind of uh, extend the branch um, where <laughs> Google and Apple have been less than uh, rest, less than ready to. Uh, same thing for email. You know, you can access it through web browser. You can access it through your phone. Same thing for our encrypted chat. You can work on your Linux desktop or in your web browser or on your phone. Um, and you can even text message using our internet-based services. So I know that's kind of a grab bag of everything, but yeah, like it, adjusting from it, uh, adjusting from this stuff, like, you know, for Google Duo from video calling to actually going on XMPP where everything is end-to-end -end encrypted and you're only communicating with the server of your choice and your partner server. Um, XMPP, just to explain, it's uh, it's kind of like an email server. You know, you pick out your email server. It's responsible for communicating with other other email servers. This is what email used to be uh, uh, since forever, and then we changed it. Um, companies like uh, Google with Gmail and uh, even Proton Mail, 
They made it uh, feel like it all has to go through a web browser or through a specific app. No, email used to be interoperable and you used to be used, uh, able to use whatever app. Um, I digress, but uh, using these technologies is super important for one, for all the for all the youth out there, you know, like this is the way I would trust. Uh, I would trust sending someone my nudes. I'm just say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just <laughs> that that uh, we've got to be more conscious about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, you know, the big tech uh, companies are, uh, I'm sure, fully stocked in all of our nudes at this point. But um, <laughs> it, it's certainly <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> very impressive <laughs> stuff, and it, it seems like a no-brainer. You know, it seems like a no-brainer to transition over this stuff. And the way you describe it, it doesn't sound like you have to be a tech genius either. So I'm looking forward to, you know, dipping my toe in that water. And, uh, you know, notice that Matt didn't laugh at your Apple joke, uh, a few comments back there. So um, I have to say this, Matt, but Wait, what? Matt, <laughs> Matt jumped ship on me. Uh, what, like a year and a half ago, we used to be like Android buddies, we used to talk about all the newest Android phones. And then jump ship on me now he's a a freaking iphone guy but you know we don't have to spend too much time on that uh, <laughs> well while we're while we're calling people out wait what was up with you guys both having gmails come on yeah 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 i know <laughs> well to me i've never heard of a, another alternative that seems feasible you know and i know proton mail has been around for a while but then i heard people bad mouthing proton mail as well about having security yeah. flaws and and certain features that weren't necessarily desirable so that's why we're having you on that's exactly why we're yeah. we're talking to uh the, the the man the myth the legend here and you know i know this is very much your forte so well it's like you said like how apple wants to control the garden right they want to have everybody in circle encircled and so you can't leave and so like we I mean, I know I've had this Gmail address for like 16 years. It's tied to, you know, I'm not just, I just don't, I don't, I don't just have free thought projects. So I do a lot of side work and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm tied to that. I, there's no way I can leave it because it would potentially cost me, you know, a lot yeah. of money. So that it, it's like, it's, we're fucking grandfathered into tyranny here because of that. <laughs> oh, and, um, but I, I certainly see where there, I should start <laughs> transitioning over and building a new network on these privacy based ones. And I'm super interested in, in getting that set up uh, through you, you know, that, that'd be awesome. Yes, my brothers, I, I definitely would love to help you. And I also apologize if, uh, if anything I said was accusatory, I definitely but don't no. want to come across as, <laughs> as like judgmental, definitely not because exactly what you described, people's lives even depend on big tech to a degree. And we have to be strategic, but the way I've always been thinking about it, you know, as we move into, um, this new transformation that we're going to experience in this generation. It's almost like, you know, we've got our, we've got our daily lives inside of the old society. And then after that the work ends, you get to be your own superhero in whichever way that means in whichever way you are combating tyranny and you get to put your superhero costume on. So I think that that clear separation you can use with this with this technology. So maybe you use it in your, you know, yeah. in the, your kind of like the new doors you're opening for yourself. Excellent point. And yeah, I've, I've been waiting to give, uh, I'm waiting for an opportunity to give Matt shit about that for a year and a half now. So. <laughs> Jason, Jason was so pissed. <laughs> I was so the, the back uh, again. One more point on Apple is their their privacy. Do you remember when? Uh, they they kind of did stand by it for um, uh, at least yeah. in the a major spotlight case when they had the sand the mass shooter in San Bernardino in 2016 mm -hmm. or 2015, 
and the FBI had his phone and Apple would not unlock it for him. Right. They had the capability to do so. And they, they denied the FBI um, the, the, to unlock the phone because that would have gone against their privacy. And that was eight years ago now. So, you know, a lot, I'm sure a lot has changed, but they did stand by that one time, sure. you know, yeah. at least. Yeah, it's fair enough. Um, you know, it's some of these, some of these, like, some of these news articles that come out, um, I, although I can't question like the validity of that, I, I don't, haven't really gone back and looked at that. I often wonder if sometimes they use these as publicity statements. Mm. Um, it's mm -hmm. like, oh man, we're, you know, we're, we rejected it this time. You know, we rejected this specific request for data. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't other things that, you know, they could request or maybe even did request, but they're kind of just using this as, as publicity. But, um, you know, that's, that's, that's fair. Yeah. But with, with like a couple of years ago, I also remember Apple doing the exact opposite and saying that we're going to look at every single one of your pictures to protect people from child porn. So it has like, you know, it has this noble intentions, but also the nefarious means via backdoor, which the government is known to exploit. Not not just the government, but Apple and Google and all these other big tech companies. The AI, the AI content scanning is um, one thing we are going to see uh, be, be rolled out for people who are dependent on um, big tech software services. I call them abusive software services because they're like an abusive partner in a relationship. They're <laughs> spying on you behind your back. They're not letting you leave. They're lying to you. You know, it's all the same, all the same gaslighting techniques. And uh, people are already being wrapped up into the AI scanning. Like uh, Google is already doing this with everything that gets into Google Photos. And so there is this family in San Francisco in 2021. Uh, I always use this story because it's pretty crazy. But um, so it was during the lockdowns. They couldn't go see their doctor. Their son had a rash on their private parts. So they took a picture. They sent it to uh, over text message and into Google Photos. And uh, then uh, the husband's phone just turns off completely. It gets like uh, it gets locked down. He's locked out of his Google account. Um, wow. He was using Google as his phone provider. So he gets locked out of that. And he's automatically reported to the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children. Uh, police investigation, the whole works. Right. So that happened all automatically through AI. Now, imagine like, you know, right now they're using child safety as like the shoehorn in to get into right. uh, scanning. But what happens when the laws change and they're like, uh, which we're seeing this happen in, in real time, right? Like when they're caring more about disinformation, we got to make sure you aren't sharing memes that are critical of the state, then we're fucked at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Apple already started doing it. Um, like when I have you know, headphones in or whatever, and app, and I don't have my phone. Apple read me a dis and I get a someone will text me a picture. Apple reads a description of what's in the picture. Really? It's fuck it. Just this should this just started. It's pretty wow. Pretty crazy. I gotta look into that. It's it's wild, guys, and it's these. Uh, sorry, uh, it's just these centralized services. That's really the key piece. These centralized services are going to be used to roll out the CBDCs. There's no question in my mind. Um, they've already been rolled out to, for digital payments. Do you guys like realize that half of digital payments are through Google Pay and Apple Pay, or at least that's what wow. statistics say? And, and how did that happen? They rolled that out to 7 billion phones at around the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
no, it makes sense. And, you know, cash use is, is down considerably, even from uh, a couple of years ago, too. So, yeah, things are, are certainly changing. And, you know, we are getting close to uh, the wrap point. I think we still have a few minutes, but there's so much I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about pre-search. Uh, I want to talk about the dangers of EMF. Um, but this one seems a little more timely and relevant. And it kind of a, a question that zooms out a little bit because uh, there recently has been a wave of attention about this new Netflix movie called Leave the World Behind with Julia Roberts. Oh, I was going to bring that up too. Yeah. I'm glad you, have you guys Have you guys seen that at all yet? Yes, I've seen the trailer. Okay. It, I watched it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, it, it focuses on a family who are basically hit with a bunch of unexpected challenges while on vacation and and basically like this loss of modern conveniences like the internet, like GPS and cell service. And uh, yeah, I watched it yesterday. It was compelling, a little bit suspenseful, a little creepy, certainly disheartening. Uh, I think the part that resonated me, with me the most though was that, and of course I don't wanna to give too much away, but was how impotent and paralyzed this family was without the ability to access not only their creature comforts, such as like the stream show that, that the daughter wants to watch, but uh, you know how lost they were, clueless and feeble-minded from you know not having the GPS and the certain elements of tech that they've grown so accustomed to. And the perfect example of it in the movie was the husband at one point decided to drive into town uh, to, to figure out what was going on, but with the internet down and Google Maps, you know, didn't work. So he was basically like completely lost trying to navigate the roads that he was driving on. Because he's been, you know, so for so long, kind of dependent on GPS to tell him where to go. Uh, so I know that your work, you know, centers heavily on the privacy side of tech. But like, do you ever worry that people are being intentionally trained to be too dependent on tech as a way to maybe yes. render us more vulnerable and reliant on the system than you know we already are? And especially with the advancement yes. of AI entering into the equation of our daily lives, you know, like where do you think this is all going? Yeah, totally. And the um, and the AI safety research, um, some people have called this concept feebleness, dependence on technology making us feeble. And the whole mapping thing is is uh, really uh, a perfect example of that. And uh, I I'd like to say that uh, I haven't used um, Google Maps or uh, any navigation, any big tech navigation system. I've been using alternative navigation systems. And because they're not collecting every point on Earth, I pretty much have to plan my route out in advance looking at the map. And it has made me a better driver and also knowing the map of my city. But yeah, I think that's one of the, you know, unintended, um, maybe intended consequences of making all this stuff um, really, really easy to use. And I think for the people like us who are aware, it's like we have to relearn the stuff that we forgot. Yeah, very true. And, um, you know, that's a great way to, to say that. And I think you're absolutely right. I don't know. It, to me, it just seems very ominous uh, that you know, we are being kind of led down this road and to a certain degree, it's our own choice. You know, I'm not trying to put all the blame on, on big tech here because, you know, obviously when they make things convenient for us, uh, it's like the 80, 20 rule, right? Like 80% of society will, will, you know, latch onto it. They'll adopt it. And then the other 20%, you know, they try to hold out for as long as they can. And eventually they have to kind of assimilate into society and, and adopt these things as well. So boy, here's a message of hope on that point. Sure. 
if if we decide to use open source maps and uh, us three sit down and we're, let's say we're in a geographical location and we get the geolocation points of all of our holistic uh, uh, farmers markets in the city, if we uh, have points for each of our houses and we share this GPX file, which is just a location of GPS points uh, with each of our individual maps, we can currently now today we can use open source maps like Osman maps or organic maps, load this file in, and we will always have navigation. Hmm. Um, we'll always have navigation because we have this map in front of us and it doesn't require use of the internet. That is offline. So I say, bring it on, you know, like uh, you better have, you better have some open source maps before that happens, but you know, you're not out of luck. Great, right, right, uh, good points. So uh, maybe this will be the last question. I don't know. Maybe we could just try to, to squeeze it in here in a, in a few minutes. But um, I feel like this is important. And I, I know we've talked about this on the show with Mr. Bros and, and Mr. Bush as well. But you're listed on the Greater Reset website as one of the core members of the Freedom Cell Network. And, you know, this is one of these topics that I don't ever want to stop talking about because it's, you know, it could be a solution. It can empower people who are seeking some type of, you know, camaraderie with like minds, or maybe even just trying to prepare to be one step ahead of any type of natural disaster or mass global event or social unrest or whatever, you know, whatever shit might hit the fan. But can you maybe catch people in the audience and our audience who maybe aren't familiar with the Freedom Cell Network? Can you get them up to speed as to like what that is? And um, yeah, just maybe familiarize them with uh, the Freedom Cell Network. Absolutely. So the Freedom Cell Network, freedomcells.org, is a decentralized mutual aid group of people coming together to work on things that are important for them, which in our freedom movement happens to be things centered around self-reliance, growing your own food, uh, having homeschooling practices, um, uh, uh, educating each other on holistic health, spiritual practices, self-defense. And so it's a really uh, no-nonsense based approach to people who used to be uh, maybe conspiracy theorists and um, uh, people stuck in the fear mentality and getting that energy and getting to actually do things with it in the real world yeah. with real people. Yeah. So it's a completely decentralized organization. Uh, we have no idea how many freedom cells are out there in reality, but we know from the telegram groups, we have representation in almost every major city in the United States, uh, definitely in every state and uh, most countries. And so when we have events like the Greater Reset, the greaterreset.org, which is happening January 17th in, in Mexico, we see a huge network of people from all different uh, backgrounds and uh, locations um, come out. Um, so it's really, really important to connect with people locally. Uh, the, our official website the, for Freedom Cells, freedomcells.org, does that. You can go in, you can create an account and you can pick out a city and immediately you can find Freedom Cells near you and other members near you. So I highly encourage you to check that out. Yeah, I would second that. I'll co-sign on that for sure. And, uh, you know, we can't just talk about these things, guys. I mean, it's important to educate ourselves. It's important to be uh, ahead of the curve, know what's going on, you know, know their playbooks, know their strategies, uh, know, understand, divide and conquer tactics and all that stuff. But we also have to 
take it one step further from the, the online world. You know, we have to meet up in real life. We have to make connections with these people. And who knows? Who knows what that will lead to? Who knows? Uh, you know, that, that in itself is an insurance policy, right? Uh, the, the guy that you're meeting at one of these Freedom Cell Network meetings, uh, he could be, uh, you know, raising food. He could be, uh, you know, growing food. He could be raising cattle. Who knows? You know, it, so there's a, a lot of incentive for us to take this out of the, the online world and to do it in real life and, and make those connections. And, uh, you know, we usually ask our guests for a white pill a moment at the very end uh, talking about solutions. And I, th I think this qualifies. All right, free thinkers, this episode is nearing the end. We wanted to take this time to remind you, if you found value in this conversation, please consider hitting that like button and subscribing to the Free Thought Project podcast on your preferred platform of choice. It's an easy, no-cost way to support us and ensure you never miss an episode. Also, the Free Thought Project operates primarily on the generosity of our listeners. If you believe in our mission and support our cause, please consider donating or subscribing by going to the membership tab at the top of our website. Your contributions ensure we are able to continue our important work having these important conversations, and your donations help us do just that. Lastly, if you're part of an organization or own a business that aligns with our mission and values, we are currently inviting sponsorships for our podcast. This is a fantastic opportunity to promote your product or make your brand visible to our engaged audience while supporting meaningful discourse. Thank you for your support, Freethinkers, and as always, thank you for listening. Ramiro, I know Above Phone and Take Back Our Tech are on Twitter, or, or I guess now it's called X. Uh, your website can be found at takebackourtech.org and, of course, abovephone.com. Uh, but what else would you like to mention to our audience or, you know, what else would you like to plug? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, so uh, most of my social media following is on Telegram and my channel on there is at takebackourtech. That's the symbol at takebackourtech. Um, and my website, uh, if you sign up to my mailing list, I'm getting to do more investigative research and uh, content there. So sign up to the mailing list at takebackortech.org. If you want to hear updates from our company, uh, abovephone.com, and you'll see a, a mailing list on that page too. That's the best way to keep up with me. And um, yeah, you should see more, uh, more projects that I'm working on soon, um, mostly based on solutions. And hopefully I can collaborate with the Free Thought Project on that. So yeah, it was a pleasure to, to be on. Really appreciate you guys and big fan over the years reading your work. Yeah, we're, we're very much looking forward to that collaboration. And uh, I'm definitely going to be following your Telegram group. I don't know how I wasn't already, but, you know, there's just... <laughs> Me neither. I was like literally typing to find it right now. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's just so much to keep your, you know, your eyes on and keep your head in the game. So, but yeah, you were kind enough to offer both myself and Matt pre uh, free private email addresses. So very kind of you. Um, and, you know, that gesture is just a confirmation of, you know, that you're the real deal and you practice what you preach. So definitely guys support Ramiro and his website, uh, his phone and protect yourself from these big tech Titans that don't give a shit about your online privacy. Right on. And just for our listeners, uh, if this above phone interests you in the description, there will be a link to where you can buy one and support both Ramiro and the free thought project. So, uh, yeah, brother, looking forward to seeing you in uh, Mexico next month and shaking your hand. And uh, thanks for your commitment to starving the big tech beast and uh, for your time today. 
Blessings and love. Thank you guys again.